Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it's that time of the year with uh, college graduations. Um, I've got a buddy of mine, you know, uh, Rob Collins yeah. is a professor at Aiken Tech, and I, I called him yesterday just catching up with him, and he was on the way to a uh, graduation ceremony. Oh, fun. Yeah, it is. It's a good time of the year. I remember those days uh, a couple of years ago of, uh, you know, taking exams and uh, just positive time of the year. It's fun going into summer, and uh, high schools have a couple more more weeks before mm-hmm. that, but uh, proms have been going on, yeah. so you know, yeah. spring is sprung. All, all the ages, I mean, even elementary, middle school, you got all these kids that are going to go out. I will say it's interesting. I don't know if you know this, but... In Aiken County, they are doing year-round school. So yeah. this summer will be yeah. shorter. And then, you know, next year they're going to have, you know, school, then two-week breaks. But it'll be year-round. Yeah, that's that's um, interesting. I, yeah, I guess it'll work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, yeah. Anyways, yeah, summer. Summertime. It's yeah. fun. And we have a new employee. We we do. Yeah. Who is he? Justin Folsom. Ju- okay. And who, how do we, how do we know this, Justin? Yeah. Justin, uh, actually is, uh, is my son-in-law and okay. your, your brother-in-law yes. and, uh, joined us three days ago and he's actually sitting up there. Hey, Justin. <laughs> he can't, doesn't have a mic, but he, he is, mic. He is up there. here with us. Hey, yeah. give me your war chain. He's a Florida state fan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, a, we are, we are super excited to have him. They yeah. are, uh, yeah, just getting settled into the area, coming up from Florida. So it is it is a fun time for yeah, sure. It is, it is. But we have a, um, a great show lined up. Glad you joined us today. Um, Matthew, we're going to start off talking a little bit about the stock market and looking at U.S. stocks versus international stocks. So this is a good discussion from uh, Morningstar. And, um, you know, I've been looking at a lot of portfolios of uh, 401ks and, and, you know, folks coming to us and, uh, internationals is being neglected uh, in, from mm. a lot of people's portfolios, and we'll talk about why that's dangerous and just give you some statistics and some history, and uh, they also give you a projection, and, and we're, you know we're not real big on projections because no one knows exactly right. how the market's going to turn out, but it is an interesting discussion. Yeah, and this next article is very different. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. more uh, practical for most families on a day-to-day basis, but it's um, it's three ways to teach your kids to save money. And this is from Kiplinger. This is honestly what we do a lot for adults, right? Is to talk through spending habits and, and struggles and discipline in, with money habits um, and rela- in relationships, right? With, with spouses, but also this is specifically talking about that relationship with parent and child. It's a really good article. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on it in a little bit. Yeah, very good. By the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And my name is Matthew Travis. I'm also a uh, financial planner here at the firm and have been here for almost five years next month. Yeah. And you got your CFP, what, what, three years? Yeah, three years, two, three years. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's amazing. So we're excited to have you listening to us today. We're up every Friday morning. Uh, You can check us out on the website, moneymd.net. You can also go to uh, iTunes and uh, listen at any point. We've got all the the historical podcasts. It's kind of cool to go back and listen to some of those periodically. Like I, I like doing that with the pandemic podcast just because we're right. in the middle of chaos. Very and, different. Yeah. yeah, very much so. So uh, we also have a Facebook page, um, uh, MoneyMD, and I think you're doing the prescription this yes. week, right? All yes. right, very good. So uh, we're going to start off the show here with the financial fact of the week. And I'm going to actually switch it up a little bit and ask trivia to you. <laughs> oh, well, nice. How much student loan debt do you think Americans have? Total student loan debt. 
in America? Well, that's not fair because I talk, <laughs> talk to groups about this all the time. Okay. So it's a, it's a, a $1.5 trillion roughly, maybe a little higher than that, $1.7 yeah. yeah, it's $1.75 trillion with a T. T. Yeah, that's a big number. Dollars in student loan debt. And if you average that out, it's, a, it's about 29000 that's owed per borrower mm. uh, in America. And one other stat, about 92% of that is federal and about 8% is is um, our private student loan. So, you know, not really anything dramatic to say about this. I'm sure everyone listening is at least vaguely familiar that yeah, there's a lot of debt in America yeah. and a lot of it is student loan debt. And there's a there's a problem with this that we're going to have to reckon with with what do we do going forward as as the cost of schools continue to increase. Yeah, we um had a meeting last week with um someone that came in that was a uh, a doctor and they had, you know, $400,000 of student loan debt. We see vets with those type of bills, dentists, I mean it's just um it's even undergrad. I mean, you can come out yes. with over 100 no, with easily. just an undergrad. Yeah. So there are some solutions. We uh, Dave Ramsey uh, certainly has a great um program about going to school debt-free. I mean, going local, saving in uh, 529 plans, working during college. There's there's quite a few things you can do. If you have questions on that, certainly reach out to us. We'll help help you in your situation and go through some details. So, right. all right. Well, good, uh, good financial fact of the week. And we're going to switch gears here um, to uh, discussion of which is going to outperform, Matthew, U.S. stocks or international? Tell me. You want me to tell you? Yeah. All right. Let me get the crystal ball. All right. Um, you don't know? No, I don't. No, there's a lot of projections out there, but no one really knows. Um, and so international stocks really have had a, um, a underperformance for a significant period of time. I mean, really the last 10 years. But, you know, if you go back and look at history on international and U.S., um, there is outperformance by each segment over long periods of time. So, you know, the last 10 years were favored in the U.S. The 10 years prior to that, international clobbered the U.S. So it's, it's important to stay diversified. Yeah, let me ask you a quick question. Just curious. I've heard you say that a lot. You were, you know, in this profession back then in the early, you know, 2000s, late 2010s. You know, when international was outperforming, were people saying, hey, let's go to international? No. Or were people still home biased, even though it was underperforming? Yeah, home biased. I mean, that you know, the late 90s, there were five years that the S&P 500 averaged like 26% a year for five years. So money went to the U.S. and then the international came back and did very well. So no, people still had a home bias and they just, it changed their retirements in a lot of cases. So because it made, you made zero for the next 10 years. Yeah, after if you that. were invested in, in large U.S. stocks, you made 0%. Yeah, so, so it's, it's just interesting though that even in the ups, you know, when the international is doing well, people still have that home bias, even when yeah. international outperforms. So well, I think it's interesting to note. Yep. And you got to be careful because after the 10 years they performed well, then people were looking at you know the statistics saying, oh, international is the place to be. And then right. they jumped then, in international. And then, right. And then it underperforms for 10 years. So you got to so, be careful with past performance on this stuff. And international stocks, they've, they've done really well this year. I mean, 2023, they've done well. Um, you know, but looking at the, um, you know, the, the different projections, um, you know, some people are saying that they're going to outperform the U.S. this year. And, and no one knows that. Yeah, and, and when you ask managers, right, professional, this is what they get paid for, for picking individual companies to go into mutual funds. When they were asked whether international stocks would outperform U.S., over the next 10 years, the consensus was that international stocks look more likely to post stronger, return, stronger returns um, thanks to their lower valuations. Basically saying they've underperformed and they're on sale. Right? Yeah, that's right. And so one risk for investors with the U.S., uh, 
market um, that isn't as present for international stocks is the degree to which performance of the overall market uh, is really driven by a handful of companies. And it's interesting, this is a, a, a gentleman, Dan O'Keefe, um, from a, a mutual fund company, and his his take on it is the U.S. market is driven by eight companies, and he doesn't mention the eight sure. companies, but they're you know probably the Googles and the Apples the and so forth. Yeah, sucks, yeah, that's right. And so um, he's looking at price to earnings ratios, which we talk about early, uh, earlier, and we talk about frequently. But price, um, the the price of the stock compared to the earnings for these eight companies is very high, so people are paying a premium. Whereas when he looks at it, the international stocks traded a much lower price for the same earnings. So mm. if you look back at history, P-E ratios can give you an indication if a, a market is valued, overvalued or undervalued. And he sees U.S. Um, being overvalued and he sees international as being undervalued. So if you think the U.S. market's going to um, outperform international equities, which in many cases um, are seems to be a, a good value, um, you have to believe that you know, the, the, the large companies are going to be able to grow its earnings significantly, and this guy's betting against it. No one knows that. That's why we, sure. we right. recommend, and Dave Ramsey recommends, to be diversified, own international and U.S. And, that, and that's really, you know, a, part of, a big part of what this article is talking about, is asking where do the opportunities lay. And, you know, we've had people ask us, hey, how much do you have invested in, you know, China or Japan or... Uh, Germany or, you know, these different companies. And what's interesting is, yes, we do have a home bias just as far as our allocations. We do have a lot in the U.S., but as far as the other companies, there's a lot of other good countries that are doing good things in the stock market that we don't want to miss out on, right? So as far as, you know, which country is going to do the best next year, we can show you all the graphs that say that that show that no one knows, yes. right? And so the, the the key is not to say, hey, this country is going to do especially better next year in international. Let's get into that. The key really is to say, like we constantly say, is to be diversified and to own a little sliver of you know all of the global economy. And when you do that, when one goes up, you take a little piece of that. When one goes way down, you only have a small sliver of that. So that's the power of diversification yeah. with investing. And the article goes on to start talking about um, emerging market stocks. And it says one chief investment officer doesn't like you know, technology stocks in the emerging markets. And then it goes on to say another analyst and another company thinks that, <laughs> you know, internet, you know, emerging market stocks are a great place to invest. It's yeah, just, yeah. I mean, half the people are going to say one thing, half the people are going to say the other. No one truly knows if internet, internet stocks from the emerging markets is going to be a great place to invest. So probably own a little bit, small portion in your portfolio, of them, but don't try to predict it. So Another one they look at is the uh, European uh, financial markets as well. Yeah, and so you know, again, there we as a as a firm as a company, and we are we are very academic and data driven firm. We don't make emotional decisions based on headlines, um, but something that we do look at long term is is valuations, and so we we see areas of higher return in value companies, and value just basically means that. Um, if you have the same earnings for two companies in one company, the price is twice as high as the other one. The one that's twice as high is called a growth company. And the one that is half the price is called the value company. And value just means basically underperformed, undervalued, um, but on sale. And so that is you know something that we're seeing in European financial companies pointing to these low valuations. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the big takeaway here is, is that international based on price to earnings ratio is, um, is, is a better value than the U S stocks. That's what the PE ratio says. doesn't mean that their, their performance is going to outperform. It doesn't always work like that, but uh, you're right though. And when you have a lower PE ratio, that means it's typically a value stock and the data as a whole shows that if you own a whole bunch of value stocks, the ones that are low price, um, that you'll get a higher rate of return. That's what the history shows us. Now, we still own gross stocks. We own the, the Amazons and the Apples and the Googles and so forth, but we also own a lot of uh, value stocks, and we're just super diversified. So which one's going to perform better? No one knows. Uh, so far this year, International has outperformed the U.S., and we'll talk about this a little bit in the next article, something called FOMO. <laughs> if you've never heard of that, it's it's an acronym that stands for fear of missing out. And I would be interested just to hear your thoughts on, you know, how much of this is, um, you know, FOMO, just from like people saying, hey, I see all these headlines with these large growth companies doing yeah. awesome in the US and Tesla and Apple and Amazon. And hey, I just want to jump on that boat versus saying, hey, there's companies that I've never heard of that don't make headlines, but they're more you know, profitable long-term. So I don't know, just your thoughts on that, like yeah. the headline news that comes through. Well, no, I mean, Tesla is a great example. Tesla did fantastic, you know, for a number of years and, and, you know, people around the water cooler or out playing golfers like, yeah, making a lot of money in Tesla. And they did. I mean, t folks made tremendous amount of money at Tesla. And so people buy into it. And then 2022 happens and Tesla's down 70%. Right. So, you know, I'm seeing portfolios come in now that own Tesla and, you know, based on losing 70%, you know, folks are down 10, 20, $50,000. Some people lost, put everything in Tesla and lost it all. Mm. So yeah, FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, you hear your, your, your friends and your families and your buddies saying, yeah, I'm, I'm killing it in Apple. And, you know, these returns for these companies don't last forever. That's not the way it works. Um, there's, you know, a lot of history on this from GE to Walmart. I mean, you just go back in history and there's been Amazons out there. Walmart was the Amazon back in the eighties. Uh, GE was one of the most admired companies and they've, their stock prices, particularly GE has been horrible. So you got to diversify. No one knows. I mean, when you start doing retirement plans, you know, if you're able to make, you know, six to seven to 8% over time, uh, it makes a pretty good uh, planning situation. So you don't have to hit home runs on this. And if you strike out a lot, you're going to be working longer. Mm, that's good. Down to. Yeah, that's good. All right. So we've got uh, a question Question of the week. Yeah, and this is a good question. Um, we, we get this a lot. We just actually had a meeting that talked about this. Um, so the question is, how do I get medical or what is the medical insurance I get before age 65 if I retire? Yeah, so at 65, you, you get Medicare. People at, at that age, uh, you've paid into it. You know, you're required to go get Medi Medicare unless you've been, um, unless you're still working. So if you're, if you, you know, before 65 and you don't have um, medical figured out, there's different ways. There's MediShare, which is not truly insurance, but, um, you know, it's, it's a Christian-based uh, healthcare company um, that you can get, um, you know, pretty reasonable care um, and prices associated with it. You can also go to the Affordable Care Act website, and um, that's where a lot of people go. I, that's very expensive if you make over a certain income. So that threshold's about one hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. If you make over that, it can for, be for Mary Fond. Mary Fond. Yeah. Yep. It can be two two grand a month. But wow. if you if you have some brokerage account money saved up, um, some Roth money, if you keep your income below that threshold, you can get subsidies, and your your cost can be five hundred 
600 $700 a month. So you, you definitely have to have that plan before, before someone retires strongly. I mean, you've got to have an answer to that. Otherwise, it's two grand a month. Mm. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Um, yeah, so we're going to jump into the second article now. And um, this is from Kiplinger. And it's a good article. It's talking about how to teach your kids uh, how to save money. Uh, I don't have any kids, uh, just a disclaimer. So, um, you know, this is in theory, I will say I'm sitting next to my father. So I think he can. And you've saved money, right? I have. Okay. I have. Um, I did something right. Yeah. So you can, you can speak into this from a practical stance, but you know, we just talked about the fear of missing out. Um, and that's, that's real for most people. And and that includes your kids as well. Um, you know, they want to be cool. They want to have, um, stuff that their friends have when they get older, um, younger generations, what we're seeing is that they're more interested in uh, having their dream vacation or having their expensive, you know, hobby or, you know, purse or whatever it might be, rather than saving for retirement, uh, with the mantra being, I'll deal with this later. This is alarming for people like us, whose job it is to help people make good decisions with their money over the long term, not just the here and now. So we encourage adults daily in how there is advantage of saving for future expenses and not spending everything they have now. Yeah, and we have the the privilege of helping um, you know our clients and and uh, their kids and, and grandkids in some case think through this. And um, but how do you how do you plan on doing this with your own kids um, that are raised in a generation of instant gratification? And really, there's two key ways. One, I'm gonna start early. Um, you know, very very early. On they can they can be four or five years old, and then also practice what you preach. So show them the way to to go on this. And this is especially important this month as we're we're nearing another season of you know graduating seniors. Um, we just you know mentioned all the the graduations going on, both high school and college. And um, you know if you're seeking how to raise disciplined savers as adults, we're going to three things that you can start. Uh, with um, with your kids and easily adopt them um, as they go forward. And one of them is simply to teach them, you know, delayed gratification. And that's hard. I mean, kids are constantly shown what's available for them to consume, as are adults, right? <laughs> adults have the same challenge yeah. from social media to commercials uh, to, to living advertisements. Um, you know, their friends, I, you know, I had, a, I had a buddy growing up and he had a rich aunt and his aunt bought him a brand new Camaro. Whoa. Yeah, and it was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was really cool. And um, so yeah, I had just comparing comparing to that. Yeah, it like was. Desiring that. And, I had a like a, a Pulsar. You guys can go this, look up a Pulsar. It was a little teeny tiny box of a car. Did you go? You put your foot out? It was basically pedal? that. Yeah, yeah. So, but it seems that, you know, no matter what your age, we're always getting hit up with something. And, you know, shopping trips can can come to a head with kids, um, demands <laughs> sent into overdrive and saying, I want this and screaming and so forth. So satisfaction is, um, uh, in delaying some of that is, is an important lesson. And here's a tip for families, um, before going into Target or any store, uh, for me, do you know what my favorite store was growing up? Just curious if you, uh, I gotta say Home Depot or Lowe's. It's Lowe's. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised. That's good. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And it's so it'd be for me. Yeah. You know, it'd be going into Lowe's, having to say, "All right, Matthew, let's. You know, we're just gonna focus and do that." I mean, I liked home projects and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. and I still do. But you know, Target or whatever that is. T- you know, talk about what you need and what you want to go in the store for, and actually have a list beforehand. If they want something for themselves, they can come back with their own gift cards from a birthday or save money to get it. Older kids will over time understand this and handle it better. But starting young is always good. 
you may leave stores with a tantrum, um, but over time it will it will instill a good discipline in this area of life. And it is okay to break this rule every now and then, right? For me to get rope or wood or whatever it was. Rope. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, enjoyed outside yeah, stuff. Tools, um, yeah. Um, it's okay to break that, but just having this discipline set in place is, is good. Another new thing uh, that you can try is to explain why you aren't doing something that one of their friends is doing. When we hear we can't, you know, go there or buy this, uh, explain why. Explain about your budget or you know, hey, if we want to do that, we need to save for that activity. That that that's impactful as well for your kids to hear that. Yeah, and if they're really serious about you know wanting that that item, you can create a savings goal chart. I mean, a visual up on the refrigerator on on how much they need to save and how they're saving for it. And you can have other discussions about you know what activities you'll stop doing, so you're not spending money to to create more room and and um, if they have a budget or if they have money. And as certainly as the kids get older. Maybe they're able to do more chores so they can earn money and contribute uh, to getting this this item that they're looking for. This will also help instill in kids the value of working for, for your money and, and how it just doesn't appear. And so in the end, you know, having these conversations about money really helps to explain that you're not saying no just to say no. There's a reason financially, and this uh, ultimately ingrains in, the mer- the, in them a sense of saving and budgeting, and also you can take some pride in that if you've saved up over time. That's a good thing. That builds um, confidence up. Yeah, that's right. The second one is to have them work for it. However you do it, make sure children work for the things that they want beyond what they've been given. We've heard it all, good behavior, chores, practicing their instrument, um, you know, whatever it is, um, you want your child to, um, to take responsibility for that. And the same with money. We want to engage them in money conversations. Maybe you can start a business with your child or your grand- grandchild. Um, you know, you, <laughs> this is a personal story. You can start by splitting and selling wood, um, selling some of those items on consignment, cutting grass in a neighborhood, whatever it is, helping them think through the basics of running and operating a business is invaluable, even on a small scale. Do you remember, you remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, the all the fat lighter. the fat lighter, all the yeah. the hours we split it and bundled it and wrapped it. Yeah, and you had me go into these places that like gas stations or Mistletoe State Park. Yeah, and, we went to, and yeah. you know, we would you would have me speak to the owner and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm a young guy trying to save up for my first truck. Would would you consider doing this on consignment? Yeah. and sure enough, most people said, yeah, you know, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, uh, for you. So that is an awesome example of instilling this. Hey, if you desire to do something, it, it might be a lot of work, but mm-hmm. there is reward on the other side of that. Yeah, there was no cost to that either. We had a huge <laughs> fat lighter stump that we still have at the it's house. Still the, it it's still, it's massive. massive. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ginormous. Yeah. It's, and, but, you know, it, it was hard work. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah, so that's. So we had to go to Lowe's to get, I think we did get some, um, like a hatchet or something. Yeah, got electrical tape to wrap it yeah. and bundle it. And, yeah. But yeah. That yeah. was fun. Good yeah. memories. I actually still have the invoices on my computer. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> we, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. So uh, number three is, in addition to having them work for it, number three is show them how. So talking to kids about saving, you know, isn't enough. You got to show them how to save, um, you know, hands on. And one example is for um, you know lunch money for maybe an eight or ten year old, and you could purpose purposely not give them a, the exact change for the school lunch. So you know, tell them that you can spend a dollar uh, on a treat if they're well behaved, and that you know they should have some money left over. And depending on the week, give them some options. You could tell them that they can bring that money back and and put it in the wallet. Um, they can save it, or maybe they can donate it. That's another good lesson. 
and then follow through and make sure they didn't spend it. And if they ask about getting special treats or toys, you can remind them to save that extra lunch money for it. So, you know, when they finally get it, um, ask them how long it took. And, um, <laughs> you know, it makes it sweeter as well. It may take six months to yeah. do that. But, you know, it's also important um, to start saving for college for them. That's a, a great way to show them. Um, you can do that in um, what's called a uh, UTMA account, Uniform Transfers to Minor uh, Act, um, also known as a custodial account. And um, these accounts are created under state law. Um, it's a it's a way to to save under the minor's name um, and then 529 plan. So, you know, there's different ways that you can show them how to to, to save money uh, over time. Birthday money, you know, gifts from relatives can go into these accounts as well. Yeah, and, and really just to wrap up this article, you know, the main the main takeaway is is to engage with your kids. Um, you know, if you're if you have kids, you've lived longer than your kids, which inherently means you have more experiences. So at nothing less, even speaking of your mistakes, right? We we don't need to be perfect in our example, but we need to be honest. And if we're honest even in our failings, then that is perhaps even more humble and more of a learning opportunity for kids to be able to say, man, that, okay, yeah, I understand that. I'm, I'm starting to understand what mom and dad or grand, grandma, granddad, uncle, uncle, aunt, you know, who, whatever the relationship is saying, um, because they live it out and they're, they're including me in on these decisions. So, you know, we as financial planners, um, you know, this is our business. This is our job to have these conversations with adults. Um, you know, as a parent, part of your role is to equip and train them to be adults who make wise decisions, partly with their finances. So, you know, just to implore you to think about these things, because whether you're a doctor, a garbage man, a teacher, uh, an engineer, you have to deal with money. And that's a reality that everyone is is in. So, you know, having those tools in your tool belt as you get older is is just invaluable yep. that we see for, for our clients and for their kids. Yeah, in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. So it's obviously biblical, and I, we, we take a special um, interest in, in training youth uh, locally as well. We, we have some, some nonprofit work that we do in the community. And, and also we love talking to, uh, kids and grandkids of our clients as well, helping them. Yeah. I would, I would encourage you, you know, if you want to take us up on that, please do, um, you know, set up a time and we'd love to just cast that vision even with you in there or just with them if they're old enough to say like, Hey, yeah, this is, this is where you can be. If you start doing these simple things, yep. that's uh, it's very exciting to do that for us. Yeah. Good discussion. Good discussion. I like it. And uh, got the prescription of the week. Yeah. And so this is a good prescription. Um, it's interesting. So as financial planners, I don't know if you're listening to this podcast, what your normal take on a financial planner is. I think before I was in the profession, my my thought was, oh, they're just all about saving money. They're just all about accumulating more and more. But often what we're having conversations with clients on now is to actually spend some of that money. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's great to have money. It's great to save it. It's great to have more. And also money is just a tool that is to be used for what we value. So the prescription this week may be a little strange, but it's to actually spend some of the money, right? And, and that doesn't mean frivolously or just on things that don't matter, but it's to say, hey, maybe you're in retirement and you've been saving for 40 years. It's okay to go and spend some of the money. It's good to have a plan and a process and, and there and and you know, around it, but it, it is okay to spend some of the money that you've been saving for decades. That is a hard shift for some people. It is. We've we've had conversations with couples. They'll come in and they're saving, 
you know, 25 or 30 percent for retirement. And you know, we recommend 15 percent is, is the target, as does Dave Ramsey. And you can see the look on one of their faces is like, <laughs> what? You're telling me not to save? And we, the other spouse is like, thank you. I've been telling them. That <laughs> we, we don't need to save yeah. that much. Yeah. So there, there's a balance. And, and we're, we are big believers in, you know, get the retirement where you need it. Get that box checked and then go do some other stuff. I mean, maybe it's college. Maybe it's you need a new vehicle. Maybe it's a trip with the family. But there, there is definitely a balance. Yeah. Good. Very good. Well, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.